to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. So let's look at the Word of God. The Holy Word of God, beginning with verse 1 in uh, Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together? To test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. In the previous chapter of Acts 1 through 4, there's an outward attack on the believers. There's an outward attack. Now we're seeing on the newly formed church, there's an attack happening inside the church. Satan is trying to come inside the church to infiltrate it. And he's been doing that since the book of Acts. Now we see in the first verse that there's this fellow named Ananias. And he was one of the followers of Christ, of the apostles. And he had land or he had a house and he sold his possessions. Now the name Ananias means whom Jehovah has graciously given whom Jehovah has graciously given. You and I, as we sit here or we listen on the internet, God has blessed us, amen? He has given us the gift of his son. Or if you haven't made that decision yet, he has put you in a position to hear about his son. That's God's grace. God's grace always has an impact on people. There's always something that takes place as a result of that. In the case of the scribes and the Pharisees, it stirred them up. They got more angry 
But in the case of those who follow Christ, it softened their heart. It made them more dedicated, more consistent, more uh, heart on fire to follow the risen Savior. Now notice in verse down near verse 4 that Peter says, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. And as it goes on, it calls the Holy Spirit God himself. Right here in this chapter 5 of Acts, we see the Trinity, but we also see the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. It's not a force. You can't lie to a force. Right? You're lying to the Holy Spirit. You're lying to God himself. And God took this very serious as the new church began. In verse 5, notice that what happens, Ananias hears these words and falls down and breathes his last. Now, one of the things that God laid on my heart as I was studying for tonight is God wants our all. Now, Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't have to sell their property. You have to understand this. This wasn't something they were required to do. At the end of chapter 4 of the book of Acts, if you remember, out of love, people were selling their possessions and putting the money at the apostles' feet. And the apostles, by the move of God's Holy Spirit, were using this in the needs of the church, in the needs of individuals. And as I mentioned before, we're blessed at this church that people have needs. And there's been over the 10, 15 years I've been here, we've always tried to help people that have needs, whether it be financially, whether it be physically, whether it be mentally or spiritually. And that's what the church of God does. But what I want to ask you tonight is, Do you realize God wants your all, not just a percentage? You know, Ananias and Sapphira were holding back what they were supposed to give to God. They were making a, they were hypocritical. They were making a pretense that everybody thought they were giving everything they got for the selling of the land. They were lying to the people. They were lying to God. They could have said to Peter, oh yeah, we sold the land, but we're going to give you 50% of it. That would have been fine. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. The problem was they were being deceptive. They were being dishonest. What you saw in Ananias and Sapphira was not what you were getting. And it's a heart issue. So God wants all of us, not a percentage. He wants our lives. He wants our gifts. He wants our talents. Now, the question is this. What are you keeping back in your love service to God? Is there something you're keeping back? Is there something you're holding back? And we're not talking financially here. It could be, if that's what God's put on your heart. But it could be a gift, a talent. It could be time. What is it that God is trying to stir up in your heart? Because you've got to remember, we're here temporar- temporarily. We're going to see this a little later when it talks about this life. But this life that we're going to talk about later is not this life. It's eternal life. So in this life, which is temporary, 
Are we using all the things that God has given us to glorify him and to touch other people for him? Whether it be in church or at work or in your family, wherever. Are you all you can be, right? As a service. Are are you being all that you can be? Or are you just being 50% of what you can be? 10%. God wants all of us. And that's when we're fulfilled. That's when we feel that fulfillment and the, and the um, hand of God on us. When we're ready to give it all for him. Living by the flesh always deceives and kills. Living by the flesh always deceives and kills. It deceives the person who's living in the flesh. But it also deceives the people who are looking at you. Thinking maybe you're someone you aren't. You got that mask on, right? You have that mask. We don't really know who you are behind that mask. But if you're living by the Holy Spirit, you are following truth. And it always brings life. All the time. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to appear godly. But their actions denied his power. Their lives were unchanged. No transformation was taking place from who they were to new creatures in Christ. How about with you? If you made a profession of faith in Christ, have you seen a change? Has there been a change in your life? Really? Or are you still living like you were before Christ? Pastor Paul said it before I even got up here. God wants to just pour a fresh pouring of his Holy Spirit on you. Because it's he who makes you the new creature in Christ. We can't will it. We can't conjure it up. It's an act of our will saying, dear God, through the power of Jesus and by your Holy Spirit, change me. I don't want to be that man or woman that I used to be. Free me. Free me up. They spoke of God, but they lived in sin. And that doesn't mean you and I don't sin. Yeah, we, we do sin. But do we confess our sin? Do we realize that Jesus is right there, ready to hear our sin and forgive us? Right there on the spot. Or do we go through hundreds of sins before we get to that point of repentance? Where are we individually in our walk with the Lord? In 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. From such people, turn away. Don't let them impact you. Don't let them rub off on you. You know, the Bible says that bad character corrupts good character. Hang with the people that you're going to be spiritually invigorated by. That you're going to be um, exercised by. You're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord together. Be careful who you trust. Some people are too trusting way too soon. Get to know people through ministry situations. If you're in a relationship... Get them involved in ministry. You'll find out that person's heart if they're only going to church with you because they want to date you. Check out their hearts. 
see if it's a heart for God or it's just a heart for their own feelings, for their own emotions. Ministry situations in ministry, going to church, doing things involved in the church, you get to know where people's hearts are. And you're in a setting of brothers and sisters who love you so much, they'll pray with you. You might get close to a, uh, if you're a girl, you might get close to a sister in the Lord. If you're a guy, you might get close to a guy in the Lord. And they'll take you aside and say, listen, I want to just talk to you, you know, in love. I just want to share something with you that I've noticed in your walk with the Lord. And we take care of each other that way. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it states, Now the multitudes of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but that they had all things in common. And the thing, being a former coach and teacher, that I love is that you always wanted to have your team on the same page as you as a coach. You wanted them to be one mind and one heart with what you were trying to do. And some seasons you did. In other seasons, you didn't. And what a miserable seasons those were. They weren't on the same page with you. But boy, when you found a team or individuals who had one heart and one mind with you, what a joy that was. What a pleasure. And God loves unity in the body of Christ. But understand that in the body of Christ, you and I are sandpaper sometimes to each other. We're sandpaper we rub, we rub each other the wrong way sometimes. But understand that if you're doing things for the Lord, God is bringing a person, a sandpaper person, into your, um, into your life to smooth you out, spiritually speaking. Just like that sandpaper smooths out the knots on a, a rough piece of wood. And sometimes, even in the church, we don't understand that. We think everybody's supposed to be smiling, praising the Lord. There's no problems. Everything's good. That's not real. That doesn't happen that way, does it? I've never seen that. But what is the heart of your church? What is the Holy Spirit doing in your church? There's going to be sometimes sandpaper situations. You might be getting the sandpaper, or you might be the piece of sandpaper that God's using to smooth out someone else's life. If you jump down to, well, really, that whole section that I just read on the hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira, they were pretending to be something that they were not, and the word Hypocrisy, one of the words it means, it means it's like an actor. You know, it's, it's, it's an act. It's all for show. It's a mask that someone's wearing that they want you to think you're like this mask. But behind it, you're really something else. Matthew 23, 28 says, Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I remember I gave a message a little while ago and the, the whole, the two big words were rebellious spirit and lawlessness. You have to understand and I have to understand our heart is wicked and evil. If we're not under the jurisdiction of God, 
in the name of Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit. We are capable of anything. Anything that's contrary to God. And what we should be doing is recognizing in each other God's Holy Spirit. Where you are, a new babe in Christ. Maybe not even a Christian yet, but God is drawing you to that position to come to the foot of the cross to confess your sins and be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Before we go to the next section, I want to squeeze some more out of uh, the first 11 verses. Did you notice who carried the body out of um, Ananias and Sapphira? Did you see who did that? It was a young man. The scripture never skips a beat. There's always something in there that God wants us to see. And why the young men? Why, why did it say young men? Why didn't it just say men? That would, we would have still read it and said, okay. And here's what I believe. Being a pastor, being a teacher, being a former coach, I remember all the time, still here, we do it here, putting younger people in a position to be stretched. And not necessarily young chronologically speaking. It could be new believers. It could be somebody that's an elder that you're preparing, you know, for a pastor. You're putting them in positions that they don't like to be in. But what does that do? These young guys probably had at least four, maybe three, picked up Ananias. He was heavy. They had to work together and pick him up. But they also knew what happened. They heard Peter's dialogue. They heard that, they, that this guy was lying to God. And he dropped dead. Now, I don't know about you. But boy, I'd be really doing some self-examination if I was in the pew and I saw all of a sudden a guy dropped dead because the pastor said, well, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. Bam! You go down. How's that going to make everyone in here, including the pastors, feel? We better not mess up or we're next. But what was it that was trying to be made to these young people? And why young people? And I believe this, just in my dealing with young people. That God wanted to make such an impression on these young people that God is real. He doesn't mess around. And are you ready to take that next step of putting all of yourself in his hands? Are you willing to do that? And there's some other stuff here with this that. They were carrying out disobedient and dead flesh. And what were they going to do with it? Prop it up? They were going to bury it. We need to crucify, we need to crucify our flesh daily. And we need to bury it. I remember our youth group where we were away on a retreat. And one of the things they did, they had all the kids write down the habitual sins they were struggling with on a piece of paper. And at one retreat, all the kids at the same time threw it into the fire. Just a symbolic act 
of what we were hoping that God was doing, that they would just toss in their sins, their habitual sins in the fire, just be burned up by the Lord, not to be there anymore. And another retreat, it was a similar thing. There was like a hole dug, and the kids had, you know, habitual sins, put it in the hole, and it was buried and stamped on, rest in peace, it's done. You know, just something for these kids to have an image of what God wants them to do. Now, the question I have again with this section is, what is weighing you down? What is dead weight in your life? Younger people or older people, whether that be chronological, right? Or spiritually speaking, what do you need to get rid of and bury to lighten the load? You know what's called the Holy Spirit? It's awesome. He's going to lay those things on your heart or that thing that you know you need to bury, but you haven't yet. But he's telling you again because he loves you, he cares for you. He wants you to have an abundant life. He wants you to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. He just loves you. He's not going to let you go. What mindset, next question is, what mindset have you been locked into that's crippling your walk? What mindset do you have that maybe God wants to change that? This is not the mindset you think it's of me, but it's not. God was wrapping not only the young people that were carrying these bodies out, but also all the witnesses and even Peter and John and the apostles that were directly involved here. He was wrapping their minds and heart to his calling for them of holiness. Think about it. Whether you're all the way in the back or up top, if that happened, if somebody just after that incident, if we were live and in living color with Peter and Ananias, all of our attention would be riveted on what was going on up there. God is calling all of us to holiness. Do you realize that? He's calling us to be separated to be separate from the world, to be separate from the spirit of the world that is just stroking your flesh and trying to make you as fleshly as you can, to be the spirit of holiness, which is following God's Holy Spirit, following God as he shows you in his word, as he's showing you tonight. He wants your life and my life to be dedicated unto him. I'd like you to turn, hold your place, but turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 if you could. I think it's going to be up on the screen too, 1 Peter 1, 13 to 21. But if you have a Bible, exercise your fingers, right? Get your, that left eye open and just start turning. It'll get everybody a little more alert as we go on here. We only got two and a half hours left, so we'll be okay. So 1 Peter 1. 13 to 21. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You understand Jesus is revealing himself to you tonight through his word. And he wants us to gird up our loins. Like back then they had the long robe. So if they were going to run or something, they would gird up their loins, tie them up and go. 
They'd be ready to run. They couldn't run in the rows because they'd be tripping. God doesn't want you tripping. He doesn't want you falling down. He wants you to be sober, ready to go. Verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Notice there was ignorance there. Before you came to Christ, you were ignorant. You were lost. You didn't understand. But then all of a sudden, God, Holy, God's Holy Spirit sent a light. You were blind and now all of a sudden you're starting to see something. You're not sure what it is you're seeing, but it's a light you never saw before. And you start following the light and God starts revealing himself to you. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Some of your conduct? All. Holiness is separation from all that is unholy. You're called out. Very close friend of mine, sexually promiscuous, in their 20s, said to me, but coach, everybody's doing it. Sleeping around, drinking, drugging. Everybody's doing it. No, they're not. There's, that's the world. That's the spirit of the world. That's the spirit of the flesh. But we're called to come out of that. God is calling us to come out of that, to be separate, to be his. And he gives us a power. We can't do it on our own. <laughs> no, there's no way you can just say, okay, yeah, I'm going to leave that. I'm here. I'm good. No, you have to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. You have to come to the cross. You have to be washed by the blood of the lamb. And you have to be filled with his Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can make it. And that fresh pouring of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Paul mentioned about, you want that every single moment of every single day, all the time, all the time. Verse 16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Do you think God is going to call you to be holy if he hasn't equipped you to be holy? That would be cruel. That would be terrible. But he equips us. Because when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, wait, and I'm going to send you the comforter, the helper, the one who's going to come alongside you, come upon you, fill you. Verse 17, and if you call on the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead. And gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. And back in 17, at the end of 17, it says, throughout the time of your stay here. Throughout the time of your stay here. You're just visiting. We're just passing through. This world is not our home. God is preparing us every time we pray 
Every time we fellowship together, every time we get into his word, every time you do one-on-one stuff with Jesus, he's preparing you for eternity. Yes, those things that he's showing you will give you hope and strength and guidance through this journey on this earth. But remember, we have a home in heaven. This world is not our home, and he's preparing us for that time. Let's go about five more minutes, okay, guys? We good? Can you hang in? Yeah, okay. Okay, verse 12. Let's go verses 12 to 16, back in Acts chapter 5. Okay, Acts 5, 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Did you ever hear the term delookers? D-A-L-O-O-K-E-R-S. You ever hear that name? The delookers? Anybody just, nobody? Must be a down Monmouth County uh, term. The delookers are this. You ever been in a traffic jam? You ever been on the parkway and backed up for miles? And then when you get there, you see a guy changing his flat? Well, all the people in front of you were delookers. That's who the delookers are. So isn't it cool right here that we see in verse 13? Let me make sure it's verse 13. Yes. Yet none of them, none of the rest dare join them, but the people esteemed them highly. They were the delookers. They were watching what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. But this was not how to improve church growth. This is one, this is not a way to increase the population of your church. You go to Calvary Chapel, Janesburg, boy, you do something wrong, bang, you're dead. That's not going to fill the pews. And thank God, right, for his grace and mercy, because how many of us would have been dead hundreds of times, maybe in just the last two months? But God, through his mercy and grace, he forgives us. He's there to forgive us. But isn't it something that these people, the delookers, they esteemed the apostles. They esteemed those who were following them. But boy, they didn't want to join this group. This group was a little, little too much for them. But then notice what happens in verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. The believers. Now, it might have been Pastor Paul or Pastor Joe. I'm not sure. 
Was it you, Pastor Paul, with the uh, wheelbarrow? No. Was that you, Pastor Joe? No. It wasn't me. Maybe it was a men's group. Remember? Oh, it depends. What I'm gonna say. Let me say it first, and then we'll say, everybody will start taking credit for it. All right. Bob. It was Bob. Thank you. Last week, right, Bob? So remember, Bob was teaching last week, and a guy went across Niagara Falls in a wheelbarrow by himself. And he asked the crowd, how many people think I could do that again? And everybody raised their hand. And then, would somebody like to get in the wheelbarrow with me? No, no, no. So what is the step of faith? What's the step of a believer? Like in verse 14, what was it about these people in verse 14 that they were increasingly added to the Lord? Weren't they scared about what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? Or maybe they were the ones who confessed their sins. They knew that God was faithful and just to forgive them their sins. And they had a heart for God. They didn't have a, um, another agenda. They didn't have something else that they were trying to accomplish Well, here you see me how I am, but really, I want to rip you off. I want to get in good with your graces, but boy, I want to rip you off. No, the believers were the ones who sought God. They knew they were sinners, but they knew that Jesus had died on the cross for their sins. That rose for the dead to give them new life. And they wanted to follow that life. The life of Jesus Christ. True believers... Not those who highly esteem people. True believers are those who are called. Those who are chosen. Those who respond to God's call in their life. In Matthew 13, 38, it says, The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked ones. Real quick, The tares were like a a weed. The wheat was growing, but when when you plant it and it starts growing, they look the same. But yet as they mature, the tares um, kill the wheat. So the question here, or what I'm reading is from Matthew 13, 38. The field is the world. The good seeds are those who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one who are a mixed multitude in churches, in other situations that you really don't know if they're believers in Christ or not. You don't know. But in Matthew 1340, it says, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Galatians 5.24 says, And those who are Christ, you belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 6.7 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. We've had some so-called mighty men of God fall. And some we didn't even find out about it till after they were dead. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, 
that he will also reap. Last scripture of the night, 1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Before you receive Jesus Christ, you're a natural guy or girl. You're just a natural in the flesh person. You don't receive the spirit of God. The things of the spirit are foreign to you. They're foolish to you. You might have mocked them. You won't know them because you're not spiritually born again. How do you know something that's spiritually alive when you're spiritually dead? You can't, you don't see it. You're spiritually blind. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord? You know the mind of the Lord. Did you know that? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know the mind of the Lord. You have the mind of the Lord. You're in his word. Things are making sense to you. You can connect the dots. And notice here, you have the mind of the Lord that he may instruct you. He's instructing you through his Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We're not faked out. We are spiritually discerning if we're in his word, if we're fellowshipping, if we're praying. God knows our heart. We can't act in front of him. He knows us. I can act in front of you, but he knows me. He knows how I am when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm in my bed. He knows me when I'm in my car going someplace and I'm by myself. He knows my heart. And my heart was wicked and evil decades ago. But God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, changed it. He changed it. He wants to change you. Even if you're a believer in him, he wants to constantly renew you and change you and refill you. And if you don't know him, he wants you to come to the cross to be his son, his daughter, the new creature in Christ. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.